good fucking topic too. Since we, since we kind of got fired up now, dude, I'm fucking fired up. You fired have no up. idea. Second fucking podcast today. <laughs> fucking, I've had like 15 bangs. I lifted this morning. Fucking did open mat for an hour and a half, which was fucking an hour longer than I expected. Uh, yeah, I'm fucking fired up. How about you? Yeah, what are you I see you're rubbing about? your titties right there. What's yeah, going I mean, on? it's a little cold in this room, but. What are you fired about? Uh, Everything? Life in general? I think life in general. I, I mean, yeah. Life in general, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We were just talking about some shit off air. I just fucking... Yeah, yeah. Kind of got me fired up. I think so... You, I'm fired up. We were talking about winning and losing in competitions and tournaments. And you'll see people kind of hate sometimes on somebody for, oh, they lose a lot or, oh, whatever. Well, it's not, it's not your fucking journey. Like it's just not your fucking journey, and I'm sorry to get started off on a, on a on a emotional note. I'm not trying to be emotional, but you know I've I've lost most of my matches. It's not about anybody else. It's about me challenging myself, or about that person challenging themselves, uh, and trying to overcome an obstacle, trying to win, trying to trying to achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve. But that is not for other people to dictate. Like it takes a lot of balls to get out on a stage. It takes a lot of balls to get on a mat. Against somebody who's trained, who is on your skill level and maybe trained harder, and and uh, wants to take your fucking arm home or take your head off too, it takes a lot of fucking balls, man. Yeah. And it's it's an it's an awesome thing to do. You know, Teddy Roosevelt had that great quote, and it's long, so I'm not gonna even try to say it now. But basically, talking about the people who put themselves in that position, who who I think it says something like getting marred by dust and blood and sweat. Like, it is not for people who don't do that to question or judge. Like, it's just not. And the thing about it that's really interesting is, and you'll see it in MMA as well, is that anybody, like we saw just this recently with uh, Cerrone when he, when he had a, when, Mag- when McGregor took him out pretty fast. Yeah. And a non-MMA person made a fucking stupid-ass comment. Stephen A. Smith, oh, I can't stand that guy. But uh, he made a stupid-ass comment about Cerrone and you saw the entire community come together like, oh, no, sir, you don't get to criticize. Like, even the people who step in the cage, they will never say anything. You'll never see them say stuff like that. They'll say, well, he was short here or he could have done better here. We don't know what happened in his training camp. We don't know if there was injuries. They'll, they'll, they'll make comments and criticisms about how he could have done. It'll be constructive, well-educated opinions about things that went wrong and things that went right. But you'll never see them say things like, uh, you don't belong in the mat. You don't belong in the cage. You just need to retire. You'll never, ever. If there's a retire, it's out of love. It's like kind of like the the Rogan Shab moment. It was like, yeah. man, this is out of love, brother. Like I'm worried about you. Like that kind of stuff. It's never of a, a critical, nasty nature. Um, so when people start making opinions about people competing or people, whatever it is, like. It's just not your journey, man. Like this, we're not unless you're Gordon Ryan. You're not buying million dollar homes off your fucking winnings. You know what I mean? Most of us are paying a hundred bucks for that little two dollar possibility at a two dollar fucking medal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, get it's stop taking yourself so seriously, man. Like people compete for different reasons, and some want to be world champions, which is a noble thing. Like it's it's a hard, it's a hell of an accomplishment. Some want to just challenge themselves. They want to put themselves out there and just fucking feel that thrill of stepping on a mat with somebody who wants to take your head off too and surviving it and maybe winning, maybe not, but they want the fucking thrill, you know? So I think that's a, that's a, that's an amazing, that's an amazing thing to do. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And, uh, 
anybody who, who has a negative thing to say about that, in my opinion, they can go fuck themselves. And you know where I'm at. I'm right up here at Hensel Gracie, Houston, Texas, and Sugarland. If you got, if you fucking want to challenge yourself with me, fucking bring it. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Your opinion's shit. Anyway, so all right. On a lighter note, how was your, how was your weekend? <laughs> By the way, I worked the rodeo this weekend. I have a good story from that as well. Oh shit! I got a couple good stories. So we're gonna do we're gonna do my time. I choke somebody out at, at the gym, and then I got a rodeo story. If we get to it, if we get to it, I had to, I had to use a little jujitsu at the rodeo. No I was, shit. I was working the rodeo. Yeah, I was working the rodeo this week all weekend, and uh, I got to use a little jujitsu out there. Oh shit! You might as well fucking spring it on us now. You all right, all right. So up. everybody, you know, the rodeo is the, the chili cook-off weekend, and uh, the thing is, like, it's all private tents, but everybody pays to get in, and of course, everybody gets super hammered. It's just norm by like seven p.m. to eight. It's suddenly everybody's just fucking hammered and things happen you see weird things mostly you see people falling down from being drunk so I'm standing there and I see some woman fall over well I just see hit a trash can falling over the trash can go flying it's like one of those big barrel trash cans too and I'm like okay just another night at the rodeo no big deal and then uh, all of a sudden I see everybody starts yelling at me and then like right next to my tent they're saying they're fighting they're fighting so I look over and there's two guys fighting and these two deputies trying to pull them apart. So I run over there, and I grab the first one I see and rip him off. the The guy, the guy that's on the bottom, and uh, he's like, "That guy hit that girl. That guy hit that girl." So I was like, "So I pushed him out of the way." And so that deputy was by himself with that 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 guy. He was having a hard time controlling him. So did a little neon neon back action. Did a little kimura. Ripped him back onto his stomach. Got him under control, did a little wrist lock to get his hand behind his back, just like I teach in my videos, by the way. And uh, BJJ Cop uh, YouTube. Anyway, or Instagram. Anyway, so uh, I used the wrist lock technique, and he immediately put him into compliance, and he brought his other hand behind his back. And best part was, the other deputy didn't want to use his handcuffs, even though he, I was helping him. He had initiated this, or at least he was the one that jumped in first, because he didn't want to get stuck with the guy. Uh, so what, you handcuff somebody? Well, because now how are you going to get your handcuffs back? You got to wait till... So we're all working extra jobs. So another... The people working the overall rodeo got to come in and okay. and take care of the guy. But you may be waiting there 30, 40 minutes before they get there. Oh, I see. So you're stuck holding on to this guy with your handcuffs. So I was like, you got handcuffs? And he's like, ah... Uh, They're like, right there, motherfucker. I, like, yes. I know you got handcuffs. <laughs> he's like, oh, all right. And so he, he got his handcuffs on him and we got it under control. And uh, then I went back to my tent and uh, basically being the doorman for my my party tent. So I'm not like a real Texan. And so I think I've been to the rodeo maybe once or twice in my life. You can say that again. Go ahead. I just, I don't get it. It's overcrowded. Everything's overly expensive. I'm not a big barbecue guy, so it's just not my thing. And I I don't like live music, so it's like, why would I go? But like, so everybody pays to get in. Like in, there's a, a to get so, into the so gates, but you said the tents cook-off. are so this is the cook-off. Okay. Yes, you can pay to get into general admission, so they have okay. some concerts and stuff going on. You can buy beer, you can whatever. You can still have an okay time. All the tents are individual parties by different companies, and they're sponsored, and they they're cooking uh, barbecue, which is getting judged, and somebody's somebody's barbecue is going to win like best brisket, best this, best that. It's kind of a big deal. Uh, but the tents are private, so you have to have special. You know, wristbands to get in. So are those like invites or do you have to pay? You have to pay ahead of time. You can't okay. pay there. You got to buy it ahead of time. Ah, uh, okay. And they're not cheap. 
No shit. There's a, there's a lot of money getting flown around out there. Give me an average. Not... What do you think for a bracelet? Average. Oh, for a bracelet? Or to get you in a tent. What would you say? Uh, well, I mean, there's sponsorships and then there's the... You know, I'll be honest with you. I've been working all these years. I've never asked how much a bracelet is. Yeah. I'm going to say probably about 100 bucks a bracelet. Oh, shit. Probably. Well, you got to realize it's free food, free alcohol all night. And it's good food, bro. It's good Texas barbecue. Yeah. And as much beer and liquor as you can drink. And they all drink their weight in liquor. Like, for real. I guess that's, that's worth it, I guess, if you're a drinker. But I'm look, I'm not I'm not a drinker like that. Like I, I can't I can't I can't be around that kind of stuff. It's uh I c I can't I just I don't drink like that anymore. I've I've kinda outgrown it. Yeah. So actually even being there is annoying to some degree because you're just all oh, these drunk people, bro. And it's like you have the drunk guys who just keep repeating the same story to you. Because you're a police officer in uniform, everyone wants to talk to you. Yeah. You got the, the grabby old ladies that like to come fill you up because they think it's okay because you're in uniform and so they want to, like, you know, whatever. Uh, and then you got the married women who want to fucking hit on you, which is really annoying. Um, and then you got the drunks flying. It's just, it's a, it's a shit show for a lot of it. And then you got everybody trying to sneak in your tent that doesn't have a bracelet to get in. So you're snatching guys constantly. They're always trying to wait till you're distracted. It's, bro, it's it's not five hours of chilling. Oh, shit. It's, like, the first two hours, the only, the good benefit is one, it's good pay. I get taken care of. And the food is phenomenal. So I get, you know, I, get, I can eat as much as I want. So I make sure I work out really hard before I go so I can enjoy it. And I'm hungry. And so the food's phenomenal. So there's a lot of good things about it, but it's a long fucking three days when you work it, dude. Like, I was drained. Like, today I've been drained just from the three days, man. So I would imagine, like, because it was a, a three-day weekend, so I would imagine probably a lot of people came in this morning to open mat, probably a little bit tired, a little bit hungover. What are your thoughts? Have you have you noticed, like, these fucking guys that'll come in and they'll, like, kind of lurk and lurk and they'll wait for people to get super tired? Oh, my God. Or maybe they like to show up 30 the minutes. Late, the latecomers? Or either that. I, I've noticed two trends. One... The guys that will kind of lurk around and just watch everybody, and but they won't roll for like they're like this guy. Yeah, it's almost like they're taking behind, inventory. Behind yes, they're like kind of taking inventory on yeah. who should I? Well, who should I start with? Well, that guy's pretty good. I don't want to go with that guy. Maybe this guy. There's that guy, and then there's the guy that usually will come in like about 30, 40 minutes late when everybody's like been getting after and they're super tired. Then and then of course they're nice and fresh and want to be like, hey man, you want to run? It's just like, fuck. You know, like, have you have you seen this trend? Or is Bro, it just me? So, no. This is, oh my God. There's a couple guys. I'm not going to name names. But I see them do this at Open Mat. And is one in particular for sure. But they'll be coming in. So, like, you know, it starts, like, our Open Mat starts at, like, 10 a.m., right? So, everybody's usually getting here by 10, 15, 10, 20 and getting after it. So, if you come in about 10, 30, 10, 40, you're seeing guys working, people sweating, people working. You know, they're getting after it and having a good time. And then you see these guys start creeping in like at eleven thirty, <laughs> and there's especially there's a couple that do this, and I see, and they're fucking fresh, like they're coming in all fresh, and they immediately start um, asking guys for exhaust. I've literally, I've had this one guy twice do this to me, and I'm like, no, like I've been rolling for like an hour plus, and I'm like laying on the mat, on my back, just exhausted from just working hard, come up. Him walk in fresh as shit, like, and he likes to roll hard too. Hey man, you want to roll? And I'm like, no, I'm not rolling with you. You were here 40 an minutes hour ago. ago yeah. I would have loved to take you apart. 
But I'm not, no, I'm not, no. We're not doing that right now. That's, you can go find somebody else, man. I'm not, I hate, that's a pet peeve of mine, dude. Like people coming in late to open that and just looking to, to, to take advantage of everybody's tiredness. So man, I'll admit this, like when I first started going to open mats, in my mind, I thought if it's from 10 to 12, that it's just kind of like, just get there when you feel like it. I didn't realize till Brian called me out one day with, cause I, I, I think I was at my, my other gym at the time, but it was like, I got here like, I don't know, 40 minutes late or probably an hour late. And he was like, hey man, you know, open mat starts at 10. And it was just kind of like, but it's open mat. Like in my mind, I didn't put value on it because it's open mat. To me, it's almost like at the time I thought like, it's not real. This is just more like recreation or extra credit. Like, it's not like you're telling me that class starts at this time. Like I got a big pet peeve about being late for like class, but when it was open mats, I was just kind of like, uh, it's just an open mat. It's not, there's no importance or value that I would put on it because I was just like, it's just whatever. And then it wasn't until I started getting like, you know, later in, purple and brown that I was like okay you know you need to be here on fucking time make sure you're stretched out um cause I started jujitsu super late like I was like probably 30 I think when I started and this is a curse and a blessing for me that the reason I needed the reason I would start coming in early was because I need about three rounds maybe four sometimes to get like a really good sweat going getting like feeling real loose and stretched out so the advantage for me is that while everyone's starting to take that nosedive and starting to get tired, like all yeah. these young Thundercats, yeah. I'm barely hitting my groove. Like, all right, now I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I got a good sweat going. I'm loose. Let's get after it, you know? So it, it kind of works to my benefit. But like, yeah, man, for the longest, like, I just thought it was just like, it's just a fucking open mat. Like, who cares? Like, you don't have to be on time. Um, I remember one of the last open mats I was at, like, some dude showed up literally like 10 minutes before open mat ended. And like, you know, Brian was like, hey, man, it's from 10 to 12. It's not at 12. We're going to stay here later because you wanted to show up, you know, 10 minutes before it closes. And I just remember thinking about that. And I was like, damn, who does that? You know, like that's a little bit like, you a little bit beside yourself. Like you're going to fucking show up 10 minutes before it ends. I guess he just assumed that we would all just stay in and roll. But um, I have noticed that like the few times that, you know, when I used to come pretty regularly that you've got those like i said two guys the creeper and the super guy that wants to be super late just to let everybody get worn down i'm just like damn which is a big weird douchebag you know we should we should get those two together and have them do like a death match and shit oh. that would be pretty good man that, that would be pretty, open mat was good today i actually had some i had some, I had some really good rolls like, so i ended up rolling a lot longer than i expected <clears throat> but i felt great like it's like ever since i hurt my knee i was like nervous Man, today was, uh, I felt really good. And I felt like the combination of all the working out I've been doing, all the lifting, uh, along with a lot of training, really starting to come, come together. And uh, I even rolled like, there's like this five stripe black belt that comes up here, and I had a lot of fun rolling with him. We rolled like 10 minutes straight. It was, it was fun. It was, I mean, you know, five stripe black belt. Yeah. But it was still fun. And he showed me some cool stuff afterwards. But I was feeling great, and then I left. I was like, man. Like I had a couple guys, man. I guess your knee feels good, huh? I was like, yeah, man. It feels. I feel good. And I get. I go to see my brother, and then I'm kind of suddenly I feel like a little something in my knee, and I feel behind my knee, and it's swollen again. I was like, no, man. You know, since we, you know we were talking about jujitsu yeah. injuries the other day, and I was like, God dang. And I didn't wear a brace because I'd lost the brace that I had. I had to go fucking buy a new one today, 
and uh, that probably would have helped a little bit. But man, it's like ah, oh, those Andrews. But the open mat today was phenomenal. I didn't see the. Of course, I left at eleven thirty, but I didn't see the um, that guy. But maybe he came in right after. Right, I right left. after that. He, I don't he know. peeked around the wall. He's, he's like, like, oh, he's gone. Yeah. I guess I'll come in. No, I was. He was is he tired yet? Okay. <laughs> Man, you know, since we're talking about open mats and mats in general, um, I was thinking about this recently, and, you know, we have a lot of kids that train, a lot of parents that are actually starting to train as well, which I think is the coolest thing ever. But I've always kind of been, like, um, on the fence about, like, uh, coaching in the sense of, uh, like, when you're, when you're dealing with kids, what is your opinion on, like, should parents be allowed on the mats watching their kids from like two feet away or should they be kind of in a separate room um you know to a during class yeah during class man i really think you you have to have a separate parent area to watch because you if you have the, the parents close to the mat and it's a natural thing to want to tell your kid to help your kid yeah right? you're wanting to help your kid get better or in some cases maybe you're reliving some stuff through your kid but whatever a lot of that's natural. So when you get close, you start yelling things and saying things. And, of course, you're interfering with the instruction. You're interfering with their competing with, the, with whatever. And there really needs to be, especially in, I think in both situations, but especially in class when they're supposed to be learning, you've got to have a separate parent area. You just have to. And, and, and that way they're, they're in their parent area or wherever the assigned parent areas are. Because I know we have a couple in our gym because of the way it's built. Yeah. Um, and they need to stay there. They can't be getting on the mat and interfering because that's all that's going to happen. They're just going to interfere. And I know it's hard for parents sometimes to, because it's their kid, right? And so some kid parents are like, well, that's my kid, you know. But yeah, but there's rules. And you're just going to interfere. So just stay back and let the coaches do the coaching. I, I think you got to have separate parent areas. I, I don't know of a gym. I'm sure they exist where parents are allowed to get up on the mat and uninvited and uh Interfere or do whatever they do when they get close. I mean, maybe they're just trying to take pictures, but regardless, you gotta you gotta be careful how you do it. You know, man. Um, the whole parent thing, I've always thought that it should be one hundred percent like a whole separate area. A good buddy of mine runs a very successful gym at um, in Deer Park, and for years, the way they had it set up was they actually had a room just for the parents, and they had two TVs. Um, with a video feed, live video feed. So they could look up at the screen and watch their kids. And uh, I just thought that was like the greatest idea ever because now you don't have the parents taking up, you know, crowding the, the mats and yelling out stuff because we talked about it a little bit last week and I kind of was talking about how parents need to manage their expectations. You can't bring your kid to any kind of martial arts and think that they're going to be some phenom overnight. And parents, I think sometimes... They just have these unrealistic expectations of their kids, so they have a tendency to want to get closer and closer to the mats and yeah. start yelling out stuff. And sometimes, you know, it's like you see that their intentions are good. They just want to kind of help support the kid and um, and kind of help push them. But then they don't. I don't think, and I, I just don't think they understand that it creates kind of like a, that distraction where instead of listening to the coaches now, now they're constantly looking over their shoulder, looking at you. I see it all the time with the kids where like we're, we're teaching and we're talking to them and trying to explain something and they're immediately looking over their shoulder looking at their parent you know or like if, especially if you're correcting them on something they'll start looking around for their parent like oh man 
I think they think maybe they're in trouble because you're just trying to help them and they think their parents are going to see them. Mm -hmm. So it creates this weird thing because now I know the kid's not paying attention. He's looking for his mom because he wants to make sure he's trying to figure out if he's in trouble or not, if his parents see that he just, maybe he did get in trouble, you know? And so I always thought like, that's the, that's the best thing is to have a 100% separate room where the parents could watch you on a live feed, but they're not actually on the mats. And so... My good buddy recently, I was talking to him because I saw he had posted some pictures on Instagram. I just and I remember looking at one. And I was like, "What the hell is that? Where's their benches and where's their parents there?" And I talked to him about, it and he was like, "Man, he's like, we had to switch. He's like, we had to go to that 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 business model because he said that the parents wanted to be able to be in the same room with their kids, and it was becoming a thing. Like, why can't we be on the mats? And it just kind of was like." Damn, it was eye-opening because here I was thinking like, man, you've got the ber- the perfect business model, but you've got up at the end of the day, the parents are paying, mm-hmm. so you have to cater to them somewhat. And he said he finally had to break down and just kind of uh, do away with that room and create more um, sitting area for the parents because they wanted to be more involved. And I got to thinking like, when you're bringing your kid to jujitsu, and it's like their first time or first week or whatever. You don't know anything about jiu-jitsu. Your kid doesn't know anything about jiu-jitsu. So what is this 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 need for you to be there? Because you don't really know how to, you don't know what's going on. You can't really provide any kind of good information or coaching because you don't even know what the hell you don't even know. But then you know what I, I realized it is when I watch these new parents is that they just want to get the video. You know, they want to be able to post it on social media or show it to their friends or family that their kid, you know, this was the first day in jiu-jitsu or whatever. And it's a big deal for the parent because they want to be able to capture the video. And I started thinking about that too. And I was like, man, I was like, is there a happy medium some at some point where you still have a separate area, but of course the parent wants to be involved and see every little detail on the first class. Maybe the, maybe the idea would be to say, okay, look, we want you to be in this room because it's going to help him understand that for these next 45 minutes to an hour that he's our responsibility that we're in charge and he needs to understand that there's going to be discipline and structure and when you're on the mats and he sees you it just that just crumbles because he's going to run to you every single time or he's going to look for your approval i understand why you want to be on the mats because you want to get video and you want to be involved so here's what we'll do give me your phone and i promise you i'll get some amazing up and close video for your kid on his first day because i'm already on the mats i'm authorized to be on the mats you know but i can't and maybe that's where the compromise would be where they would feel better that, all right, cool, you know, I, I, I get where you're going with this. I don't want to be a distraction, but I still want to get those videos and those pics. Could you help me out with that? And maybe that's what make, would make them, like, feel better or kind of, like, create this or, like, pacify them a little bit where it's kind of like, we'll meet you in the middle. But parents, man, being on the mats, it's, like, it's, it's one of those weird ones where it does, I think, create, like, a really big distraction and um, it creates, I don't want to use the word problem because we're pretty good here about um, interacting with the parents. I think here the parents understand like, hey, the instructors are in charge. They're the ones, you know, in charge for the next hour. And But every now and then, you know, you get some parent that's a little bit overzealous. And I was, like I said, I thought my buddy had the perfect setup with that room. But then now even he had to, he, was, he felt pressure to kind of go to kind of that I oh. think it's too much to like put the parents in a separate room. <clears throat> I think it's too much. I think you, you got to have a wa- an area where they can watch and video and enjoy it. You just have to make the rules hardcore. Like you have to be strict. And if a parent violates the rules, then you just ask them. You're gonna have to leave. 
And if that means losing your, your son as a student or daughter as a student, that means that. But I can't have these rules violated. You just have to make it a hard, strict rule. And I, most parents, you're not going to have that problem. 99% of parents, you're not going to have that problem. Yeah, you're right. But it's always that 5%. Well, you 5, let it's go. always the 5%. Then that, you let them go. Yeah. Well. You let them go. Like it's, it's, not worth, it's not worth disrupting your, the other student's experience and the other parent's experience because you got a couple who are unable to accept boundaries that are being set. You just let them go. You have to take that as a little bit. It's not even a loss. You know what I'm saying? You want you want something kind of to add to that that's I've noticed more. Um, not so much the distraction of parents trying to coach or encourage their kids, but um, some of the chatter, you know, like... That gets a little much too. Yeah, I've noticed it here recently where like parents are in their corner and they're kind of, you know, they enjoy... It's a thing, you know, their kids come and train and they've got parents that they get along with so they all kind of group together and they all have their, their little groups or cliques or whatever and it's just like... You can tell like this is like their 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 time to just kind of relax, you know, shoot the shit with the other parents. But it's like that's the one thing that I've noticed recently where it's just kind of like it, there's a lot of chatter in the background now where it's like, hey guys, we're still trying to teach. If y'all want to have like a full on get together, like take that outside, you know, like there's plenty of space right here. You know, you can hang outside, do what you need to do, talk, have fun. But that's the one thing that I've noticed more recently is more of like the chatter that's just like, and then, you know, you'll kind of turn around and look at the parents and then they'll look up and they'll be like, oh, they be quiet, you know? But like, that's the one thing that's kind of like, I started to notice that it's becoming more of a trend here recently. So, that's know. interesting. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, you know, um, when you come in and like, with, because I know you help out every now and then with the kids. I try not to help out with the kids. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I did so much teaching of the children's. Um, You've had in the film. opening of this academy and the subsequent years yeah. that whew, there were days I was the only guy because this was days before we had all these black belts and I wasn't even a black belt then I was like a brown belt purple belt so there were days I was the only guy here and we have 35 40 kids on the mat and hurt, to say hurting cats yeah. is an understatement so like I don't mind helping out here and there but I had my share of children and I love kids, don't get me wrong, but uh, I've had my share, and I've, and plus my plate's full with work and the other stuff I do, so yeah, I need a little time to myself, like that, because that hits right into my free time on the weekends and stuff like or right when I get off work. I can't really make it when I get off work anyway that, that early, but yeah. I'll leave, you guys are doing great with the kids. Y'all don't need me at all. Man, well, we can always use another black belt. You know? No, we got like 17 black belts here now. <laughs> Good. Yeah, we got a few, man. We're good. <laughs> no, we're 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 extremely lucky that we've got like an amazing like staff, you know, from the black belts all the way down to the purples that help. And oh yeah, no. even some of our blue belts, you know, like they come in and help out now with the yeah. kids. So it's just yeah. like, man, there's days where it's like there's no greater feeling than when we're in a in a class and uh, literally the ratio, like the the coaches to the students, is like almost like we outnumber them in that. You know, everybody. Sometimes. Yeah, you know, every, like every Which now and then. Yeah, because it's like now you can like I've got my two little guys here, and everyone has like their their little pack of two or four, and it's just like man, it's so much easier to manage. Yeah, yeah. Because I believe me, I've been in those classes too, where especially with the little itty bitties, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, those little three to five year olds. Man, dude, those guys are the ones like you earn your paycheck on that day because it's just like I just to get them to just not fall is like the toughest thing in the world. 
and you give me shit because I don't work out and all this. Man, I do a lot of lifting because I have to hold these little dudes by their belts. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll they'll drop for no reason. I have to like pick them up with one right? hand. And by then the class like, I'm sweaty now. I'm sore. And I'm like, what, what happened? And it's like, oh, yeah, I had to pick up this kid like 27 it's, times. Teaching you know? kids is so exhausting. You don't want to train when you're done. <laughs> That's the fact. Like, it's facts. Like, you're like, man, I don't even want to train now. Like, I'm tired from yelling, from grabbing, yeah. from, like, your mental exhaustion from teaching kids. Look, there's a lot of rewards from teaching. I'm not trying to, it gives a lot of reward in teaching kids. It gets really neat to see them grow and be a part of their lives and see all the, the neat stuff that happens. But no doubt, it's an exhausting, it's yeah. exhausting. No, you're right, because there's times after the kids' classes that where I just, I feel like, damn, I just want to be a student. Like, I don't want to, I'm kind of, I'm exhausted. Like, I just want to learn some cool shit, go drill it, and then go row. But then it's like, our row is a little bit different. Like, we don't have that luxury. A lot of times, you know, we have to walk around and yeah, help the lower belts. And that it's just responsibility like, of, of getting yeah. to the black belt. Right. So I got a good story. So we'll do my gym story, because I know we teased it last week. And kind of almost bled into it a little bit earlier. So this was, this was a couple years back. This is back when I was, uh, I got to set it up because it, it's all set up. This is back when I was with my ex and, and uh, we, we had little Colton with us. We'd come to Open Mat here, speaking of Open Mats. We'd come to Open Mat and uh, we'd train and then we'd go to Lifetime Fitness and they'd rock climb, just do stuff, right? So it was like an every Sunday thing. So it's a typical Sunday, pull up at Lifetime, boop, 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 walking in. And uh, so I don't know how many of you guys know this, but my brother is, is handicapped. <clears throat> Had a tragic accident a few years ago. He's in a wheelchair. So I have a little bit of a pet peeve when it comes to people who park in handicapped spots yeah. that do not belong there. I've always not liked it, but then after my brother's accident, I became, I guess you would say hypersensitive to it would be a, a proper term. So anyway, we're walking in and I see a guy parking a handicapped spot. Like you saw him pull in? I literally watched him pull in. And I, rem- I remember looking at the lease at the time, and I was like, oh, hell no. Like, this guy's not going to park there. And he gets out. And so I try to get his attention. Like, hey, you you can't park there, man. You're not handicapped. He's like, I'll just be a minute. I'm like, no, it didn't work like that. Of course, this is the police officer and me coming out as well. No, it doesn't work like that. And you're in regular clothes. I, I just left open that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. I literally got like sweats. And a hoodie on. It was, yeah, because it was like hoodie weather. So I'm wearing a hoodie. And, because um, that guy was wearing a hoodie too, and that's going to come into play in a minute. So we, we walk in, and, I, and so I'm calling uh, one of my fellow PD people to let them know, hey, I got this guy parking a handicap. Y'all want to write him a ticket? I want to tell you right now, not all officers like writing tickets. In fact, most don't. But the one ticket every officer enjoys writing is a handicap. Really? Because that's a pet peeve, man. Like it's you are you're you're not. I'm not gonna say you're a bad person, but I'm gonna say there's a good chance you're a bad person if you're parking in handicapped parking and you're not handicapped. Like it takes a that's a weird mentality to me. So in most cops, so like they're like hell yeah I am on my way. I'm like three minutes away. <laughs> I'm like good. So they're on their way. So I go inside. It's like look man, you need to see your uh, ID. You're parking handicapped. I'm a police officer. Is that he sees that? He immediately turns around, and starts walking out, and I'm like, "Hey, man, I need to see your ID. Yeah. You're, you're about to get a citation." He's like, and he's like, "I don't see no badge." Was his comment. I'm like, "Well, hold up." So I'm trying to pull out my credentials to show him I'm a police officer. I don't see no badge. I don't see no badge. 
So I'm falling. Say, hey man, you're not going anywhere, dude. I need to see your ID right now, because technically he's detained. That's a legal term, just in case you didn't know. Right, and your sweats got it. Uh, no, I've identified myself. That's all I'm required to do. So, uh, I actually kind of step in front of him, and he's because he's trying to get to his car at his door. I'm like, no, you're getting this. You're getting a ticket. You got a chance the first time, and you yeah. you told me basically to go fuck myself. So guess what? So anyway, at this point, he tries to push me aside. Well, now he just made unwanted contact with me. He's not allowed to do that. You just insulted me, and I've identified myself as a police officer. But you're impeding his his way. No, no, so. you're not allowed to touch me. That's a, that's called assault in okay. the penal code. I didn't do that in my. I didn't impede his way. I said you can't get in his car, and I detained him, so I was allowed to impede his way. Mm -hmm. So he tries to push me. Well, now you put hands on me. Now it's all it's it's all good now. So he's wearing a hoodie. So I remember reaching around, grabbing that hoodie, just like just like a gi. Yeah, yeah. Grabbing the hoodie, getting a good. Good solid, you know, gee grip on his hoodie and his hood and his like his hoodie, his hood and the hoodie. Yeah, yeah. Say that three times real fast. So anyway, I got it out. So I'm holding them right. I'm like, you're not going anywhere, man. Uh, you need to calm down and give me. Let me see your ID. And all of a sudden, he starts swinging. Oh, he's throwing throwing haymakers at me. Well, I had that good grip. I was like, oh heck no. So I immediately grabbed one of the arms and took him over the hood of his car and right onto the ground. <laughs> He lands right on his ground, and then I remember I had that hoodie right there, so I just remember stretching it across and then getting right into a paper cutter choke. I didn't choke him out. I simply held it there to keep control of him. Yeah. Uh, and then I could hear uh, some, so another funny story, inside the cafe, you can see right where he was parked. Well, there was an a, a officer who worked for the DA's office inside, who I know personally, saw it happening and immediately called Officer Assist, yeah, uh, yeah. Over, over the phone so I heard the sirens coming and I was sitting there thinking in my mind why do they know the sirens are coming or how do they know that I need like why are they doing sirens like Mars should just be pulling up sorry I didn't mean to say yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, that officer should just be pulling up right now to write a citation and um, anyway there are sirens are coming so, and then I see him coming hey you got it you got it and he come and help me out I was like man I got this guy we're good and uh the guy, man, I can't remember what he was saying now, but he was saying something retarded. And uh, anyway, and then I look up, and I, of course, I see Lisa and Colton, and then there's like this crowd of people. And the first thing I thought of was, one, Colton saw that, so that feels weird. Two, God, please tell me no one just got this no on video. video. Yeah. And I'm already, I'm, I'm owned, I own the situation now. Like I can't let it go. It, but it didn't matter. The guy's going to jail. So anyway. Uh, Sugarland's finest get there. Immediately, one of them hands me hand. You know, I know what I know. Most of those guys. So they hand me at least at that time. I did. They hand me handcuffs. So we boom. We get him. We get him cuffed, and uh, get him in the back seat. I tell him what happened. And look inside his car, and he had all this weed and <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. In plain view, like weed, and then it's wax, which is a felony amount of weed. All kinds of stuff. He was delivering. He was delivering weed to somebody at the gym. That's what he was trying to do. Yeah, he was in yeah. a rush. And so they 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 got him on all his felony charges for for that weed. That's why he was freaking out once I identified yeah. myself and told him he was like, "Oh, I better get the hell out of here now." So yeah, I mean, no big deal, just average day in the life average the average time. life in the day of a hero. Of a hero. hero. Were you wearing your cape that day? I, I, I wear my cape every day. You know, man, you would think that somebody that does that kind of stuff would have enough sense to keep a low profile and not park, not attract any unwanted attention to yourself. Most criminals are not smart. Well, that's like that old saying, what's that <laughs> thing about uh, uh, criminals 
get luck have to be lucky all the time the police only have to be lucky once that's kind of that thing you know where it's like we always say we only catch the stupid ones <laughs> which there's a lot of truth to that anyway nah, but that's so there's my there's my fun cops I'll have another one before too long oh Jesus it's Christ. just the way it's just the way this crazy world works so you have any deer white belts this week I do man actually and it's it's funny because it came to me from one of our blue belts um, shout out to Triangle Joe um, he came to me this week and uh, it was actually pretty cool the way he approached me. He said, hey, he's like, I have a question for you. He's like, uh, I don't know if this is like one of your unspoken rules. Because you know how you and I love to talk about unspoken, unspoken rules. rules. yes. Unwritten rules, I guess is what we meant. Um, yeah. He said, uh, is, it, is it frowned upon, basically, when you're rolling with somebody at a white belt, that like you're getting ready to choke them out and they reach over and they start twisting Ooh, fingers. I got a good story about that, too. <laughs> And when he said it to me, I was like, fucking absolutely unacceptable. I was like, yes. I'm like, I, I'd have to go look at the rules. I was like, you know, I know the IBGS says something to the effect of... Not allowed to grab digits. You're not allowed to grab digits, stick your finger in any kind of orifices and all that. I was like, so I'm like 100% sure that that's actually a you written know, rule. Even if it wasn't, that's poor form. But see, here's the thing. You're talking about a white belt. You know, who's fighting for his life, who... He's about to really fight for his life. Yeah, now. yeah. And so when he when he when he brought it to me, I was like one hundred percent. I was like, if that happens, I'm like, you immediately stop and you just correct. And that's like a coaching moment. Let them know, hey, listen, you can grab all four, you can grab the meaty part, but you cannot peel one by one. And he said that when it happened, it threw him in a weird place because like he was getting ready to choke the dude out, and the guy grabbed and started twisting his fingers, so he had to kind of readjust. Got back to the same choke, and then the dude goes again and starts like twisting fingers, and I'm like, "Yeah, man, like definitely stop. It's that's a coachable moment." So my dear white belt for you this week is under no circumstances grab single digits. Like one, it's illegal. Two, it's poor it's form. it's poor form. Poor form, sir. Poor and form. you will definitely have somebody. So I, I've ha I had this one. happen to me with a guy. And uh, he, he did it intentionally. Like, when I say intentionally, it was after... Remember when you uh, spazzed out and dislocated my finger real bad? You're talking about when we lost power, we were rolling you in the dark. you spazzed out because I was getting ready... No, 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 no. And you said, I was getting ready... No, I was, sweet, I was passing your guard. You were being swept and no, no, decided to plant your hand. I planted my hand. You spazzed out when I was passing your guard. Right, that's what happened. At any rate, my... my Fingers landed like that and, and it bent the completely dislocated. It was really, it was pretty gnarly and had yeah. a couple back. So, anyway, I, I've, ever since then, I've had to tape up that finger because it's not right. Thank you very much. Welcome. And um, so, this was not too long after that happened, like within, like within a <laughs> so week. So, you still got it wrapped at this point, I'm, I'm sure, right? Well, it's, I mean, I just tape it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, it was still really jacked. Like, it was all swollen up from being pretty, like, I'm sure ligaments and everything got torn. Yeah, yeah. And I remember telling this guy, he's like, hey, man, just, uh, I remember it's like my finger. I'm thinking he even asked, "What's up with your finger?" Was he, was he a lower, he lower belt? He was a lower belt, but very athletic, former MMA guy type guy. And uh, he was like, "What happened with your finger?" I was like, "Oh, I jacked it pretty good." I told him the story. Okay, so I was like, "Anyway, you know, it's a little, let's go." So we slap bump, and I catch a choke on him. I think I was going for a loop choke. Anyway, he reaches up and immediately grabs those fingers. Ooh. And I let go, and I said, "Hey, dude, like, uh, don't grab my fingers, man." Okay, okay, okay. Flat bump roll. Kid you not, within 30 seconds, he's grabbing those same fingers because I'm catching a choke on him again. Oh, yeah. That's... Oh, bro. I didn't stop us this time. 
I just changed positions and I started knee riding and surfing him hard. And I just, I was making it as miserable for him as I, as I could. And I remember looking up this 30 seconds, I felt okay. And I remember just putting him right into a bow and arrow. And so, Matt's story, I, I put him in the bow and arrow and he starts tapping. And I'm like, you don't get to tap out of this one today because you try to hurt my finger. Yeah, like yeah. you intentionally try to cause pain and damage to my finger, which is already fucked up. So my goal was, well, you're going to go to sleep and wake up, and this is going to be a lesson for you. Brian's like two feet away. He's tapping, and Brian's watching, and he's tapping, and it's almost ready. Like he's almost yeah. ready to go because you know it doesn't take that long. And then suddenly Brian yells, "Hey, he's tapping! He's tapping!" So like. I just naturally let go because it's, you know right. Professor Brian's telling me he's tapping, and uh, of course he, the guy was unhappy about that. But I was like, "Don't grab my fingers." Yeah. And so then you know Brian pulled me aside. He was like, "What happened?" I told him. He's like, "Oh, okay, I get it." And I won't say what else he said. But uh, basically, he got he understood where I was coming from. Yeah. So yeah. Don't grab fingers. So lesson to white belts and blue belts sometimes too. Don't grab people's digits. You don't want to break your finger. Don't break their finger, right? So. No, I thought that was a very good dear white belt, and it was a great question, and I'm glad he came to me because it was kind of one of those weird ones where it's like, with jujitsu, there's so many things that you don't know, you know, and it's just like, is this actually yeah. a thing? Is this not That's a thing? Fair. That's fair. And I thought it was it was great that That's he came to us. a great question. Yeah, man. You know, honestly, when I grab, so a lot of people, there's some upper belts too that will use your, they'll grab your fingers to try to disengage grips. As long as you're not grabbing single digits, I'm, I'm not. I'm, they'll grab double digits, so like a two, which I'm. See, sure. I, I go four. That's never okay because you're grabbing the hand, yeah. right? But they'll go two, and start peeling them off, and I, I think it's poor form too. Like it's kind of like cross facing people. Mm, I don't think I've ever had two. But. Like, but it's like grabbing one. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So to me, it's like cross facing people in here. I mean, sometimes it's okay. There's situations, but for the, for a general rule, like I'm not cross facing guys I'm rolling with very often, like, unless it's a it's acceptable that we roll that way. I just don't want to be a dick. I'll figure out another way to get to it. Like, I know how to cross face and to get to where I want to get. I don't necessarily need to do that to someone just to get the choke. I think it's it's kind of in that in that same vein. But I'll let, I kind of let that go now just because in my mind I'm like, well, in a fight, someone's probably going to grab your fingers if they can grab them to try to, to, try to unwrap your... <clears throat> arm around their neck or something like that. You need to know how to deal with that. So I kind of let it go now, hmm. depending on the situation. Like if someone's being intentional, like the last guy, and really trying to, I'm a little bit different. But if it's just if they're using it in a weird way just to try to disengage a grip, and I don't feel like anything's going, I feel like I'm safe. I'm like, okay, let me work through this instead of stopping the roll and correcting them because I feel like I'm getting better from that. But if you're trying to break my finger or you're aggressively grabbing it, we're gonna have a problem. Yeah, no, I think it was a dick move that you specifically told the dude, and then he went. Oh, it was intentional. Like, that's, that's it was a whole different monster, you know. That's... It was intentional, and it was an ego move. Like he didn't like getting choked out. He didn't like losing, so it was a complete ego move. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, shit. Nobody. I'll leave it at that. Out. I'll leave it at that. So anyway, any shout outs besides Beast Mode Brody? Beast Mode Brody, <laughs> do not grab my fingers. Although I know you won't do that because you're an experienced grappler. No, no. Just shout out to Triangle Joe. Great question. Um, but yeah, that's all I got today. So I'm good too. So hopefully uh, next week we'll have. I'm about to go lift again. Yeah, me. And so maybe too. I'll have. I, it's maybe I'll get a gym story tonight. Oh shit. I will say this: you don't have to have 87 fucking handicap spots 
at the roller ring, bro. Like, or lifetime. I, lifetime yeah, has a lot. That seems a little bit excessive to me. I, it's not excessive if you have uh, if you're handicapped. Yeah, you but there's not going to be that many people that How are handicapped. Find, there's lots of handicapped people that park at the gym and, and go lift. Just because your lazy ass doesn't go lift doesn't mean people who are handicapped. Don't I'm go not lift. saying that. I'm just saying it sometimes seems like there's a We're, little we bit. Don't, there's a lot of handicapped. We spots. need to turn this camera off, right? All right, fuck it. Let's go get on these mats. <laughs> Oh, we go street rules. <laughs> 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 <laughs>